Hello and welcome to Pre-Published. I'm Sophia. This episode is called A Safe Space to Fail. It's an episode I've been looking forward to recording for a long time. Four years ago, I taught a course at City Lit in London called Writing for Young Adults alongside Karen David, who's also been a recent guest on the podcast. We encountered several talented students and one of our classes went on to form a writing group, which I mentored on and off for three years afterwards. Now they continue on their own, meeting regularly to workshop new material. We call them the masterminds, which is a term some groups use when they get together to explore a specialist subject. For ours, it was writing young adult fiction. Lisa, Atia, Fran, Aisha, Freya and Michelle have written several novels between them through going to uni, bringing up kids, starting and finishing jobs, whatever life has thrown at them. As you'll hear, there have been shortlists, further courses, highs and lows. They are still pre-published, but nevertheless, they persist and they are so close. Four of them... Lisa, Atia, Fran and Aisha, agreed to talk to me about working in a writing group and why theirs is so special to them. We mastered the technology of doing this while social distancing in our different locations, which took a while. I ought to add that this episode is not an advert for the group or me as a mentor. If you like the sound of it, then I hope this will give you what you need to find your people, set up your group and make it happen. I'm so proud of these women who have been dedicated from day one and have produced some fabulous writing. I hope you enjoyed their conversation. I am at home in my spare bedroom, but I am on clean feed with Lisa, Atia, Aisha and Fran, who I've known for years and years now. Um, and so, uh, hello, all of you far away. Hello. 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 Hi. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you to just introduce yourselves very quickly, um, one by one, um, and then we'll have a conversation with the, the four of you. So... Uh, my question to you all is, where are you now and how is the writing going in lockdown? And Lisa, let's start with you. Right. I'm sitting in my house looking at my garden, which is looking quite appealing right now. And um, in lockdown writing mode, I am sporadic and desperate. Um, because we did a quick group last week, I did write uh, and actually did quite well. And I'm doing a lot of running and um I'm thinking a lot while I'm running. So I'm getting a lot of thinking time, if not writing time. Brilliant. Okay. And Atia, how's it going for you? Uh, not as healthy as that. <laughs> I, I find it quite challenging writing while all the children are around. And I like to write in peace and quiet on my own. But I have been doing a lot of thinking and editing. Um, but even if I'm not editing physically, I'm editing in my brain, so I think I think it's better than nothing, right? It still counts, <laughs> totally counts. And Fran, how about you? Hi, um, I'm in my son's bedroom. I've been self-isolating. I haven't written a lot, but the past few days, um, I had to get up and write, um, and I was really happy because it, it was a nice distraction. It's yeah, it's good when it works, isn't it? And then um, Aisha, how about you? So I'm yeah, sitting in my house, really pleased that I've managed to find a computer and headphones, and that none of my children are actually using them. And um, I'm staring at a guitar, which is one of the many things on my to-do list that I thought somehow I was going to manage to achieve in lockdown. Yeah, right. Um, and I, um, I'm, I'm kind of finding it really hard to write, like Fran and like Atia. Because I feel like the world is really spinning beneath our feet. Yeah. And I think particularly as a pre-published writer, we're always struggling to give ourselves permission to write. And I think now more than ever, it's it's really hard because kind of saying I'm off to hang out with imaginary people in an imaginary world when we're at this kind of critical point in our world feels quite hard but the masterminds have spurred me on and got me to stop self-reflecting and actually get on with the work so that's just brilliant oh, that's fantastic I should say um, to everyone that there are a couple of members of the group who aren't uh, on the podcast today and that's Freya and Michelle um, and they were taking a break from the group when, when we set this up um, and actually four voices is probably enough but I might do a separate um, episode with with them one day um, Michelle very brilliantly is is um, organising lots of PPE for the NHS so she's she's doing useful stuff 
But going back to the group, um, I know three of you are core members of what, what we call the masterminds. Um, and I met you at City University when I was doing the Writing for Teens course with Karen David. And so if you can remember back that far, um, why did you decide to do a writing course in the first place? So perhaps if I start with you, Fran, why did you decide? I had started writing and I'd gotten stuck. And I tried and tried and tried. And in the past with CityLit, they didn't have a specific course for writing for children, for teens. And when I saw it, I was just so excited. And I just read your bios, read Karen's, and I'm like, yep, this is for me. And Elisa, how about you? Well, um, I had uh, been made redundant from work. And I thought, yes, I'll do that thing. I'm going to write that book that I always said I was going to write. Um, and I used to work in TV and I wrote lots of scripts. And I thought, oh, I know what I'm doing. So um, after my husband actually bought me a weekend writing course with Anne Cassidy as a gift, um, it, I actually went to it with this kind of very arrogant opinion that I wouldn't really need it and thought, oh my goodness, there is so much that I actually really need to, to learn. Started doing a course with Elizabeth Hawkins at City Lit, but when I saw um, yours and Karen's course come up, it was kind of like I suddenly became hooked on writing courses and all, I, I wanted to get as much information as I possibly could because I realised that I absolutely knew nothing about writing a novel and especially writing for teenagers, which I think is such a specialised subject to learn. And I, I did the same thing as Fran. I kind of Googled you and Karen because I wasn't even reading teen books at right. that time. Yeah. And I kind of thought, I'm going to be in really good hands. <laughs> and that was why, that's why I signed up. And thank goodness I did. Oh, I'm glad you thought that. Um, and Atia, how about you? So I came a little bit later to the Masterminds group uh, through a mutual friend of mine and Franz. She told me all about it. And um, uh, she said it was really nice because it was a smaller group, which really appealed to me because, um, and everyone was writing YA as opposed to like picture books and things like that. So I'd been to a few groups where there's about 20, 30 people and you don't get much of a chance to to show your work. So... I went once to try it out and then I really liked it and um, and uh, I have to say the social aspect appealed to me as well. <laughs> They're a very friendly bunch, so yeah. Um, and Ayesha, you joined a little bit later, didn't you? And you'd done other courses before, hadn't you? Yeah, so I, um, I was lucky enough um, as a bit of a birthday present to myself. I went on a week-long Arvon course in Devon and that and that was a really different kind of experience from sort of uh, you know the the weekly writing groups it just it allowed you um a whole luxurious week to to sit and to think about your book and you know just again give yourself that kind of it was my first step to sort of professionalizing myself a little bit and to give myself that permission to really really think about the work and it was also I think part of you know my first steps into that kind of learning journey that yeah. is always there as a writer and I was completely overwhelmed and totally starstruck by meeting some amazing writers I got to meet Gillian Cross so she's you know wrote the demon headmaster yeah um, I couldn't you know I you know didn't wash my hand for a week or <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to say that in a post-covid world yeah. but um anyway she gave me like amazing craft advice which at those early stages just I didn't didn't mean anything to me um but yeah, I've still sort of resonated even all these sort of years down the line so I'm really thankful for that for that kind of start of learning you know which I think is lifelong for a writer um it, that, so that was great for me at Arvon it was really special just to say that what we're really talking about now isn't it is the, the group of between sort of four and and six of you who keep regularly meeting which kicked off at City Lit um but then became a, a private writing group and I'm interested um Aisha for example how much had you written before you joined the masterminds so I'd written uh like a bit like Lisa I'd written 
a first book and I, I'd honestly thought, hey, oh, I can do this. I'll be in Waterstones tomorrow. And uh, yeah, right. Uh, how little did I know? So when I joined the Masterminds, I'd been through that whole process and was in the middle of a, a second book. And you know, it is a cycle of hope because you go through it again and yeah. you go, yeah, I know how to do this. I've met some fantastic people now in Masterminds and I'm going to get there. And, um, you know, that 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 was where I was at in the middle of a second book. And, and Fran, how about you, for example? So previously I'd written two books, but these were decades ago and I wrote them when I was on maternity leave. And after writing them, I just shove them over, under the bed and go back to work. And then I started my current manuscript with Masterminds. And I was three quarters way through my first draft when I joined Mastermind. Atia, do you remember the first thing that you brought along to be workshopped? Um, I did. I brought along one of the earlier chapters of my book. And I was really nervous because... As I said, I joined a tiny bit later than everybody else, so um, so I knew the standard was pretty high. Karen was there, and she said, yes, you'll be okay for our group. And it was like, oh, thank goodness, I've been accepted into the group. Um, and it was just it was a, quite a, kind of a descriptive piece, and it was accepted. So I just remember having a huge sigh of relief, thinking, Yes, I'm good enough for this group and everything. I've been accepted in. Um, and, and Lisa, do you remember what you brought along to the course the first time? Um, I do, because I think it was the first time I'd shared the, my, my big novel with anyone. I'd taken in bits of um, my middle grade novel to a previous course that I'd done. But this was my baby. This was the one that I cared about. And I think actually it was Karen did the first week, I believe, and I ended up reading. And I was so terrified because it was... The, the thing that mattered to me most um, and she made a suggestion that I actually write the extract again from the male protagonist side which would give me a chance to um, explore questions that I couldn't get my other character to write and she said you might not use it but it'd be a good exercise and um, I did and that's actually now part of my book now as it as it stands so it was really quite a big moment for me it made a made a big difference but one of the things that I thought was interesting about bringing the extracts was for me it was a great discipline because I am so wordy and I had so much text that I wanted to condense and you only bring in a short extract so it was a great discipline for me because it kind of tamed my overwriting and it tried to make me get snappier at editing um, the next class would be looming and I, I had to, I didn't want to present a complete mash of words. I kind of wanted to do something that was coherent because you end, it's a bit like cleaning the house before your cleaner comes. You kind of want to have um, a piece that isn't complete trash, but at the same time, you know that they're going to critique it and there are things wrong with it, but it still needs to be coherent enough that you're not completely embarrassed and want to put your head in a bucket. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I always find with my writing, if I know a real person is going to be reading it shortly, then I see it in a completely new light. And I'm, I'm instantly a lot more critical about it than I was before. Fran, would you like to describe how we do the, the workshops normally? Yes. Um, we all arrive on time, punctual. <laughs> uh, never. <laughs> and um, we have a rotor. So we've already decided who's going to present that week um just the usual polite rules of people being constructive and not being abusive um or discriminatory and somebody else will read the work yeah and actually it's worth sort of pausing on that it's an unusual thing that, that karen suggested which is that every, that people do not read out their own work i find that really fascinating so you all nominate somebody else or somebody else volunteers to read out for you and there's a benefit to that too isn't there listening he hearing your work read out by somebody else is already very useful yes yes there is and then we have a couple of minutes where we just write notes and we go round in turns um, giving feedback but the author of the piece is not allowed to speak and after we've given feedback then the writer um, if they have any questions from what we've said and then it's on to the next person rinse and repeat does anyone else want to 
just talk about um, the, the workshop experience, Atia? The thing about the workshop is that we were talking about this the other day is that we all really trust each other. So we can be quite harsh to each other, very direct. But because we've known each other for a while and trust that we're saying it to be constructive as opposed to just being horrible or something, then um, it, it's, it's quite interesting. The, the level of critique that we give to each other is really quite harsh and quite direct. But we're able to... With, I've, well, me personally, I, I find it so helpful... And I would never have finished my book if it wasn't for these guys. Um, and yay. Just, yay. And I just um, <laughs> really, really... I've been to other groups where sometimes you felt that the feedback is is just nasty for no reason. Um, but with these people, with these guys, I really feel that they really want to help. Um, so if they say things like that, that isn't working, you need to sort out this character, I don't know who this character is, I know that they, they're saying it because they actually want to help. And when I think of some of the things we have said to each other, <laughs> it's quite surprising <laughs> that we are all still friends, really. Yeah. But, um, you know, but I think we do trust each other a lot. So I kind of, it's, yeah. Yeah, I, go on. I, yeah, so I totally agree with um, Atia that, for me, the, the, the magical thing now as we've moved on and we've been together for quite a long time is that it really is, it's a safe space within which to fail. And it's kind of like um, what fails in mastermind kind of stays in mastermind. <laughs> and, Amen. And I, I, Amen, exactly. And I think, you know, we've all had now, all of us now have had some epic fails and I I was just trying to remember some of mine, and I don't know if you guys remember my Yorkshire accent football story. <laughs> but I, I, I just, I just think you know, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I couldn't, I, I shouldn't be thinking I could write Kez because I might be from Yorkshire, but I could definitely <laughs> not pull off the Yorkshire accent. But the, the, the serious point is that I just think it's, it's, it's really, really important to me to have that space to try things out as a writer and know that people are going to be really honest and get you down off your sort of creative high horse. And when you realise that all four of them, they might be saying different things, but they've all honed in on one particular aspect of your piece or perhaps the whole piece. But um, you know you know, there's something wrong and you need to listen and it's up to you to figure out how to fix that. And that, that that's just that's such a, a, a massive part of growth as a writer for me and it's something that I hope that I take with me and always have that that safe space to fall back into. Can I just add something? Sorry, trying to jump yeah, on Lisa, the Yeah, Lisa, do. <laughs> just trying to jump on the bandwagon here with workshopping greatness. Um, I think that we all have separate skills that we bring to the group and one of the things that I've found really useful is that when I'm writing, the things that I do wrong are things like my clarity I think it's completely clear in my head and it's not clear on the page and because you've all said to me well it's not clear <laughs> it's not clear now I think is that clear and that's the way that a writer starts becoming better because you 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 pick up all these little bits like I know some of us maybe say that they're not very good at settings for example but you know well, <laughs> <laughs> you know well that but like yeah. Michelle is the queen of setting she and she is. will just she will always ground us all and go okay where are we here and I think when you're writing and your your workshop isn't around you you bring your workshop to your own desk and your own computer and it, it's kind of a little bit magic really yeah because yeah we all, yeah, we we all start our inner critic, don't we? And we and we all we all start saying, well, what would Lisa say? What would yeah. Michelle say? What would and yeah, I think that's really true. And, and Lisa has a really great eye for picking up on small details and coming oh. up with um, really good ideas about what how to change things. Um, and yeah, we've all got different skill sets, and I just think yeah, there's certain things I would. No matter how long I stared at it on my own, I wouldn't see it. And then when someone else sees it, it's like, oh, yeah, how come I didn't see that before? Do you know what I mean? It's like, 
<laughs> I mean, one of the guidelines that we had was, was kind of not to tell the other person how to do it, wasn't it? It was just to say how we individually felt about it and therefore what what might be missing, but but always leave the individual to work out word for word what they wanted to do. Um, and I, I think that that helped to build that level of trust because it's easy to be very defensive, isn't it? If someone's saying, why don't you do this exact thing? But if they're just yeah. saying, this is missing for me or I was confused at this part, then you can you can yeah. bring your or, own critical eye to it. Or if it's well, just a suggestion as opposed to you should be doing this and this, which I have had in other groups was like, you need to do this, you need to do that. And that's like, you don't tell me what to do with my own book. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I do. So, yeah, yeah. So I think that's helped actually. Suggestions, but, ideas. Yeah, I, I think we're, so. a li- we're a little bit different, aren't we, as a, as a group from possibly from other groups? Because I think we, we all accept that we're very, very different writers and that we're not trying to change each other's voices. Mm. But I think we've moved a little bit into a creative space, a, a, a sort of creative, collaborative kind of space where we will, if people want to, you know, we will sort of brainstorm plot lines or or titles of books or, or whatever it may be. And I think I, I certainly get a lot of creative um magic from that I I absolutely love it and I know that's maybe not you know exactly what it's sort of a twofold process now I think we've got the writing and our own voices but we've also got that element of collaborative creation that is something really exciting yeah if I just want to add to what Atia said um, I find there's a level of input from others which completely blows my mind We've been to other groups and just the level of, I know we're pre-published, but the level of expertise, I just, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful. And I think it's because we all have, we come from different backgrounds and then we bring our strength to the group. And it's really, it's really something really nice, really nice. And I gather, Fran, that the group helped get you off your sick bed. I'm told. Yes, yes, I was we, delirious. We <laughs> I was delirious yeah. with fever. I call it Miss Rona instead of Corona, <laughs> and just wanting to prep something and talking to them, it really cheered me up. And the next day, I felt so much better. And it, it I know it sounds silly, but when you're in a space with people you can trust and they're cheering you on. It really makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you work in all sorts of different ways, don't you? I mean, we're, we're doing this on Clean Feed now, which was an interesting procedure. But I mean, <laughs> but there, there's the Skype, there's, there's a big WhatsApp group that goes on a lot. And then there's been a lot of, I mean, obviously before, there was a lot of physical meeting. We were lucky that, that Michelle, who isn't uh, in the conversation today, lent us her house when I was still coming along. Um, and you've you've met in cafes. You met at City Lit Cafe before, haven't you? To to get together. And yeah, and oils. we've met. Um, and and the British Library is a fabulous place to go to. I think it's been mentioned before on pre-published by one of your fabulous authors. Mm. But um, the British Library is absolutely amazing. I mean, you can plug in if you, you. We I tended to kind of work with the group, and then when everybody had to go off, I might sit and and carry on working there, actually making the changes that people had suggested during the workshop there in the afternoon. It's such an amazing place to work. So yeah, my my next question really was to to all of you, but perhaps with starting with you, Lisa. What what did you want to say with the whip that you brought along to the first course? So it's it's very much a fantasy YA novel, isn't it? But there's more to it than that. I mean, for me, my novel is very much um, about. A thousand different things and I think that's one of the problems that I've had with it because I tried to probably say too many things but I I did want to make some political um, environmental and um, ethical statements I kind of have written um, a book about sirens and as a white writer I kind of wanted to um, look at racism really I didn't feel like I could talk about it in, in my own white world so I just took it underwater really so, I mean, Karen had suggested that I, I use my um, male lead, who is a human, to um, ask my my male lead, uh, my female lead, um, Iris, um, lots of questions. And it was actually 
it opened up a whole new area of how I could retell my story. Um, so, Fran, do you, do you want to talk about what your whip was about? Yes, um, I've always been fascinated with cults, and I just wanted to um, explore what being a cult would mean for a modern day teenager. Because I find some teens, you know, they just want to be themselves. They want to express themselves. They don't want their parents telling them what to do. And I thought it would be interesting if you're in a modern day world, there's the internet, there's everything. And yeah, you're stuck in this environment where you can't be yourself. And I just wanted to explore that theme. I loved it. Um, I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Well, thank you. <laughs> and so, yes, uh, Atia, how about you? Yeah, so mine is quite uh, overt. That uh, it's about it's about a Muslim girl in a, in a very non-diverse, living in a non-diverse area, and a lot of it touches on discrimination that she encounters. Um, but it's also I very much wanted to show that Muslim people are just normal people with normal concerns about love and relationships. I think the, I really very much wanted to show that we Muslims aren't all terrorists and bombers, which we can often be portrayed as in the in the press. So uh, I just wanted to show I really very much wanted to show a normal Muslim girl in a normal Muslim environment just dealing with normal day to day things as opposed to the usual stereotypes, grooming, terrorism, bombing, etc. So um, that that was the main thing that I wanted to get across in my novel. Yeah, I mean, I I love the fact it's kind of it's about boys and sexuality yeah. and, and that kind of yeah. thing, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Um. And and Aisha, how about you? I mean, you've written different things, haven't you? All sorts of different things. That uh, the book that I was uh, was my work in progress during the initial stage of Masterminds was all about um, a teenage girl and her attitude to sort of beauty and she got mixed up with a kind of crazy corporation called Vanity Corporation that wanted to change the way she looked and how far she would go along that line to get what she wanted. So all kind of things that, you know, I feel were sort of steeped in that culture and, and you know, girls are thinking about their identity versus their looks all the time. And I just wanted to take that to a more exaggerated place, which is always where my voice comes out. And um, I just thought it was, it was really, it was really fun and exciting to do. And um, I just really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And how much have you written since that manuscript? So do you want me to talk about rejection? <laughs> no, I just want you to talk about quantity, Aisha. Just quantity. How many stories have you done? So, um, well, you know, that that story was, um, I, I came to an end at the end, so at the end of like last year and, you know, put it out into the world. And um, that was that even though it had sort of won various competitions and done all sorts of things, and I was like, hey, this is going to be the book, it, it, it didn't get to where it needed to be. And that, that you know, for me was a really, really hard thing to deal with, and we've all dealt with it in the group, and you kind of go through those, almost like the seven stages of grief or something, you're angry and you blame and you're all of this. But, you know, in the end, I think what the group has taught me and what I've sort of begun to think about is that actually you 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 have to get back on the horse and so I did and I and I started writing again and um I think that that's been I think you, you know you've always got a better book in you and that's what writing groups tell you and I also think and I think it's really important to say this to any pre-published author who's out there is that do you know what anyone who finishes a book and manages to send it out into the world at whatever stage you're at, you know what, I salute you because I think it's an amazing thing to have achieved. I think, you you know, anyone who does that, there's a lot of integrity, hard work, your self has gone into that. And I think you just need to pause when you do that and pat yourself on the back because regardless of where it comes out, published, pre-published, I think it's just 
an incredible thing to do. And I think we all pat each other on the back as our mastermind group. And I think that that's just a really amazing safety net to have and helps you get through those stages of, oh my God, what have I done? And how can I ever write again? Yeah, I mean, for me, a, a writer is someone who finishes things, um, to quote Neil Gaiman. Um, and, and it's not about the publication. It is about creating a, a complete work of art. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that. But um, uh, Fran, for example, what do you think? I completed my second draft on my work in progress and I got a bit tired of it and I thought I'd rest it because I knew it needed an edit and I just didn't have the strength because I was just tired of, it felt like I was just going over the same thing again and again. And I could tell my heart wasn't in it. So I took a break and I started another one um, because my other one was quite serious. I said another light-hearted one and I just, and I'm just enjoying it. And I don't know whether it's because I'm doing something fresh or the group has made me a better writer, but I love my writing more now. Oh, right. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, So I found that very strange and I'm more organized because I've been critiqued and I've taken it on board. So I'll go, mm, no, Lisa's not going to like that. Oh, Aisha's (laughs) going to say, no, Aisha's going to say, forget that. And, you know, Freya's going to go, no, that's not going to work. So I think I am I feel a bit more professional with this new work in progress. And I know it's because of masterminds. And Lisa, how about you? Well, actually, I was going to say that um, we're all at different stages of our writing journey, as you probably have worked out. And so, for example, Aisha, for me, she's a great inspiration because... I feel like I'm sort of a year behind her. I'm, I have just been submitting now and um, I have actually stopped submitting because I do actually think it's completely the wrong time to submit at the moment. And I I just think I've worked on this for so long. I don't almost want to waste my one chance at a time when I feel like the industry's in a in a place that doesn't suit my work. Yeah. Um, but because Aisha just picked herself up from... What, where she'd gone and I'd read her book and I thought it was really fantastic I, I actually had started plotting um, my next novel and actually the fact that I have said I am plotting my next novel is making me nearly faint inside because I didn't <laughs> plot my first one at all I basically <laughs> I basically I went oh I've got an idea I'm going to write that and I, so I wrote down about 20 words which were basically chapter headings and then I just wrote this book and then uh, after my 14th edit which I think it was by the time I finished and I rewrote from a completely different character's point of view I realized actually I do need to plot um, and I will save myself so much time and I've just I'd, I'd, I've plotted in three acts now which I didn't even know that there was a three act structure when I started writing my first novel yep. and, and um, I, I did um, I, I had actually sent something over to you as well which has been an amazing opportunity for me because we're still in contact and you, you'd given me some sound advice and I've actually I had a second act slump and I, I think I'm, I got to a point where I thought I'm not ever going to get through this it's never going to be com- I'm never going to come up with an answer and I think actually yesterday I I might have cracked my second act now. So oh, it's, brilliant. It, it's persistence um, and it's being inspired by others as well, I think. Yeah, I think that those moments of inspiration only come when we are persisting with something. So, I mean, I, I often find like I might have to think about something for two or three months before the answer comes. But because it's always at the back of my mind, when that moment of inspiration strikes, then I can kind of grab it and, and put it in. So, yeah, I'm glad you did persist. Atia, so what have you done since your first manuscript and how are you keeping going? Oh, okay. So I'm still re-editing my first, my manuscript. Um, I'm on the third edit now, but I've got some specific goals for it. But I'm also writing a sort of adult book at the minute as well, which I just started before this whole lockdown business. Um, And that's a really different theme, a different voice. And it was actually really nice just to just to have a completely different character and um and a yeah, just sort of quite aggressive nasty person <laughs> as a second character. It was just like interesting to write a different voice. Um so it felt it felt fun because like Fran, editing I find editing really difficult, but it it has to be done. But um 
but uh, and it is uh, for me. It's hard to see. Sometimes I've been looking at something and I just can't see what's wrong until someone else looks at it, and then it becomes really obvious that oh yes, okay, that's what's wrong. Um, so I do need the like support of the group and everything to. Otherwise, I often feel like I'm just against a brick wall. So, um, mm. yeah, but editing, I, I do find it challenging. But you did um, another course in the meantime, didn't you? You went to City Uni. Yeah, and did I went to City course. Uni. I did a novel course, um, which was actually really good because I like uh, like Lisa. I was doing, um, I was just writing, and I had no idea where the plot was going or what was going to happen next. And I, then I stopped writing because I didn't know what was. I don't know what to write next because I knew the beginning and the end, but I had no idea about the middle. So I'd written a bit of the end, a bit of the beginning, and then I just stopped writing because I didn't know what to write. So then in that course, actually, that really helped me because we had to do the three-act structure that Lisa mentioned, and we had to fill out, we were forced to fill out this plot chart about what was going to happen in each chapter. Wow. And and that was actually really good because once I had the plot outline. I was able to write again. So that was something I learned from so it's the second time round. I think it kind of more or less wrote the plot outline first. Um and is before well I wrote a bit of it and then I've written out the plot outline so you kinda of know where you're going because you can just go off on a tangent for like loads of chapters. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, you, know, can. <laughs> you, can, you just go on and on and you know, not really know where you're going with it. So yeah, the, that course actually really helped with the structure of things, you know. So, yeah, that was that was interesting. And the best bit was I got to see you after class because you downstairs. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure that was the best bit, but it was very nice yeah. for me. <laughs> I mean, the big thing that I always used to say to you all when I was I was still sort of coming along um, once a fortnight or so to, to um, have a listen was the dirty draft. So at the time you were still on your, your big first manuscript and it was get it done, get it finished, which you've all done um but a lot has happened to you since I mean everybody is submitting are they in in one form or another and um and Aisha you've been shortlisted for various things and there are agents in the mix now um so can you bring me up to date on on what's been going on who wants to go first Antia I nominate you (laughs) oh I thought you said Aisha no okay um did you want to do Aisha? Or? Uh, no, you go first, Asia, yeah. then I'll come to Aisha. Okay, so yeah, so I was lucky enough to be uh, shortlisted for the David um, Hyams Open Day where I got to go to visit the publishing house and met all the um, agents and stuff like that. It was really, really nice touch. It was so exciting, actually. And then I also got longlisted for the Undiscovered Voices run by Scooby, um, so I got an honorary mention in their anthology as well, which Fantastic. I was really happy about. Yeah. And I have been subbing and there is something potentially going to happen, but uh, you have to watch this space. Yay! Um, yeah. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Okay. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, okay, Aisha, how about you? Uh, so I, yeah, picked myself up and just you know, wanted to write and a bit like Fran and like, and like Lisa, actually, I think there's something very freeing about getting back to writing and almost with, without pressure. And so I, I just started writing to, with that playfulness again and that wonderful, like, oh, I've met these people and I want to hang out with them. And they're, they're in my head, but they're kind of real too. And I sent off those, the early chapters of my, what was now my third book, book and lo and behold it it won the um faber fab prize and that that was a shock because the last time i won won anything i wasn't actually in the room but this time i was actually in the room and then and then i got onto the london writers spread the word mentoring scheme for a year with with the same book and that's been a real step change in my writing but you know still with my you know, with the masterminds there behind me and my safe space to fail. So that that's just it's it's just really exciting. I'm really enjoying writing and um yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's lovely. 
Um, I'm fantastic. I'm so pleased. Uh, does anyone else want to add anything about things that have happened since? Um, I, I, I would like to add just, <laughs> I think it's hard. Um, and I think I said everybody's at different stages in, in, in the journey. And, um, you know, I've been talking to agents recently and a couple of agents have actually said that they, a few years ago, they could have easily placed my novel now. Oh, and, Lisa, you poor thing. Gosh. And, and, and that's kind of quite devastating, but then quite promising because I've just had the wrong time and place. And I actually spoke to an agent recently who said um, that possibly the novel I'm writing now could be a second novel, but she's much more interested in my new novel, which I kind of mentioned when I sent in my um, my letter. Um, so in a way, although it was very soul destroying, yeah. it was kind of positive because I thought, okay, I've written the wrong novel. Um, and, and I knew that because, but once you start writing a novel and you're so, you've invested so much time in it, you, I didn't want to give up on it. Um, and actually my new novel is, is kind of more original because I think people are looking for a high concept at the moment. And um, I think publishers are very, very, very afraid to invest in something that they don't really feel is, is a sure thing now. That's um, true. And it's, it's so hard to be a debut author unless you have got that, that, that thing that somebody really is investing 100%. And we all talk about celebrity authors and obviously they are guaranteed sales. So we all understand that money is a huge part of this process. Um, so um, I, while I don't have kind of like the success stories that some of the guys have and are so well deserved, um, I, I kind of am very excited about my new novel. And um, I'm really hoping that maybe this one will 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 be the one that works. But at the same time, I've also been doing some flash fiction again, inspired by the group because somebody else brought some stuff in. I think it was Aisha, brought some flash fiction work in. And I thought, actually, that sounds really good fun. And I've really enjoyed writing flash fiction. And I've submitted to a few competitions and I've had some really amazing feedback. And again, it's like starting from the beginning because there's new rules for flash fiction to novels. So again, I've written pieces up, thought, oh yeah, this isn't too bad. And then <laughs> I've read the feedback and thought, oh, okay, it is a different process. I'm I'm so glad you've talked about all of that, Lisa. And and I can't tell you. I mean, I think most of the writers that I know, um, their first book that was published is not their first book they they wrote. And and very often, the second book that gets published is the first book they wrote. Exactly as you were saying, publishers saying maybe not this one, but let's have a look at your your next one and maybe maybe keep this one in reserve. So it feels very much as if you are on a classic path to publication. But nevertheless, I know it's soul destroying when those when those moments come, and I just I love the way you just picked yourself up and carried on writing because that's what a writer does. Um, how do you all feel about the publishing industry at the moment? I mean, I don't just mean kind of like right now in lockdown, but just generally, is it is it is it moving forward? Is it is it becoming more representative? Is it becoming less representative? How do you feel? Um, um, uh, yeah, I could. I, I'd like to answer that. Yeah, Fran. I like the fact that they're talking about only voice, voices, and they're talking about diversity, which is good. But um, it's something Karen alluded to on um the podcast she said with you. I don't want um minorities to be pigeonholed. Yeah, and to be writing a specific kind of genre. Um, I think a good story is a good story, whether the person is black, green or blue, whether they're bi, straight, they're cis. And I'm worried um, people will be getting pigeonholed because while they do want to be diverse, there's a kind of inverse um, snob snobbery. Um, okay, we want own voices, we want different backgrounds, but you're only allowed to write about ABC. Yeah. I think they need to remember a good story is a good story, wherever it's coming from. Uh, I think um, for me, you know, having been part of the Faber Fab Prize and the London Writers Award, you know, I've had quite a complicated relationship with exactly what Fran's talking about. And in my head, I've kind of thought, well, I think there's a real difference between seeking out diverse makers of which I am one, and m m the kind of content that those makers might 
put into the world. And my my content is exactly like Fran is saying. It's not driven by my own sort of cultural heritage, or at least not obviously. Mm. But I think that I and I was and I was really pleased and sort of quite. Um, I just thought, oh gosh, we have moved on. That both those awards recognise that we as diverse makers are able to make other kinds of stories, not just the stories for which I absolutely love. And I, I love the stories that are about, you know, obviously culturally driven narratives, but that we're allowed to make any kind of story we want to because I feel that that is, that, that's really a, a free place to be in and that is real equality, that we're not being told as storytellers what stories we need to tell. And, and for me, the fact that both those projects have seen that in, 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 in my work was a, a big step forward for me in that kind of space that talks about diversity, which is a complex one. And we all, you know, feel that's quite hard. And, and for me, there's a sort of a deep irony that, as Lisa sort of alluded to at the beginning, that actually her story, her mermaid story, was perhaps, you know, the story that actually did deal with diverse content, dealt explicitly with racism, albeit in a fantastical concept, con context. But, um, and yet, you know, that doesn't somehow fall into uh, diverse stories, in inverted com commas. So it it's complex and interesting, and I think we all struggle with it. And what is wonderful about our group being from so many different places and have bringing to it so many different kinds of stories is that we we wrestle with it in real terms. We're on the ground doing it and we think about it often and it and it and it and it can put up walls between us as well as take them down. And I think that's you know, we're London, you know, it, it's important to us and I I I'm really glad that we're struggling with these big questions together as a group. I, I agree. I agree, though. I think um, I do think it's good that these schemes are being run, though, to encourage more diverse writers, because the reality is that they're, they're very rarely published diverse authors. So we do need the schemes. Um, and I know what people say about pigeonholing. I do agree that we shouldn't I mean, I've been told to put more curry, for example, oh, really? curry powder oh, into 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 stories. Having said that, I think it is really good that we have that they are running these initiatives. Although sometimes I do wonder if they're just kind of like token initiatives, and the the reality would be in getting more diverse books actually published, not just running the schemes. Um, you know, like the days and, you know, sort of incentives or mentoring schemes, but actually publishing more diverse books, well, diverse authors, and the yeah. content should be about whatever you want to, whatever you want to do. But I do think we do need uh, the schemes as well to, to promote, because the reality is that much less diverse authors are published in the UK. Well, I mean, I, I agree from what I see, because, of course, you know, with, with the, the mentoring and the, the teaching that I do, my all the classes, I mean, admittedly, it's in London, but all the classes that I see are very, very diverse. And that is not reflected at all in percentage terms in what comes out at the other end of, as published books. So, yeah, I, I still feel there's, there's a lot of progress to be made, that these stories that are definitely being written um, need to make it through the whole sausage factory and, and out the other side and appear on bookshelves, I think. Yeah. I I also kind of think that, um, again, going back to what I was saying about it comes back to money, I think a lot of, not that I don't have a problem with American authors, but there's a lot more um, money being invested in um, established authors and maybe some, like authors from the US. Mm. And sometimes I feel like we've got so much talent in mm. this country and it's not being looked at. And there's so many young that author writers out there that are phenomenal and they've got and even if they are published there's no marketing money to to actually promote their books and it's a, it's when I started writing I didn't realize how hard an industry it was and I, I sometimes think that if you put it on like a minimum wage 
I mean, it doesn't even actually register on minimum wage because most of the time, I mean, I spent three years writing a book that is never going to be, I never will get any money for that. And obviously I don't write for the money, but we do, I think we as writers do write because we'd like to share our ideas. Yeah. And and I feel like, you know, almost that sometimes I've written a book that maybe nobody will read and I have to get my head around that and and yeah. find strength in, in what I learned from it and, and the progression and keeping going. But um, just in terms of um, moving away from the diversity again, is I think that the slump in young adult books is my biggest concern because I really fear for these teenagers that aren't reading books. And I see it myself. I've got a 14-year-old and she stopped reading and she doesn't want to... She, it's not even the social media side that's taken away from reading. It's I think it's almost the way they're she analyzes everything at school and it's kind of put her off of reading yeah there's a big element of that I think yeah and I don't blame English teachers for it at all but I do blame syllabus setters for it making the English teachers do this thing as opposed to just celebrating books in class which I wish they could do exactly yeah and um I I think if, if if any way I think if publishers or authors that are already established anybody can do anything to try and promote teenagers to read that would be a great initiative and I was hoping kind of almost lockdown might turn everyone back <laughs> to the book but I don't know how that's going okay I have one last question for you all which is what are your tips for pre-published writers and you you know you're at the coalface you know better than anyone so going back round the group Fran what would you say um, write mainly because you have to write. Um, don't write for the money. That's my tip. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Aisha, how about you? I think always try and keep learning because that's what really keeps keep, keeps you going as a writer. And I think also, however hard it is, enjoy it. Just be playful, try and enter into that imaginary world and enter into other people's imaginary world because actually that's where the real pleasure in writing and in sharing writing really comes from. Thank you. Atia. Uh, don't be obsessed with publication. Write because it's because you enjoy it and it's fun and you get to meet similar people and uh, just enjoy all the aspects of of writing and don't obsess about whether you get published or don't get published and lisa last word to you um i would say that somebody once said to me when i was bumbling my answer when she said what do i do and i was trying to say that i'm a writer but i didn't want to admit it because i thought it was a bit shameful because i hadn't got anything published she said if you write you are a writer and that actually gave me a lot of hope Oh, that's a lovely thing to end on. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you all again today. I miss (laughs) you. It's been fantastic. Um, So just thanks a million for doing this. Um, And I really, really hope that the listeners get as much joy out of it as I have had today. Thank you, Sophia. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. I'd like to thank Christopher Pett for editing and producing this episode of Pre-Published. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love suggestions for future themes and guests too. You can also join us on Twitter at Pre-Pub Podcast and find me at my website, which is sophiabennett.com.